Hey, well, we have a very special conversation for you today. This episode is something that I have wanted for quite some time, and I waited for the right timing. And when I asked Alexi, she was a full yes. And I am so, so glad that we sat down and had a really casual conversation rather than what I thought it might be because of her knowledge. Uh, she is so extensively trained and has so much knowledge and wisdom that I really thought the conversation would be more of, you know, just listening to her like teach and coach because she's just so good that I, I wanted you to experience that. Yet, I always trust and allow everything that is meant to come through to come through the way it's supposed to come through and the timing, et cetera. And the conversation was different than what I expected and exactly what was needed. So I'm going to tell you about Alexi. First thing I'll say is that she is someone to follow for sure. If you're not already someone who consumes her content or is not already a student of hers, I highly recommend you going to her Instagram account and finding her. She is one of the OGs of the coaching world for sure. And she started at a very young age and she's highly respected in the industry, as you'll hear. And what I love probably most about her is that she's just so real. You know, the blue check mark, all of the followers, the money, all of that, that really doesn't mean anything to her. And it'll be very clear to you as you listen to this conversation uh, how grounded and embodied she is and what really matters to her. And that's what's going to resonate with you. And then the cherry on top is just her brilliance and her wisdom. So who is Alexi Panos? Alexi is a leader in the emergent wisdom movement. Alexi Panos was named as one of Forbes top 11 women entrepreneurs, Inc. Magazine's top 10 entrepreneurs changing the world one of Origin Magazine's top 100 creatives changing the world, and is a featured expert in the films The Abundance Factor, Rise Up, and Age of the Entrepreneur. Alexi is a master leadership and embodiment trainer and co-founder in the Bridge Method Workshops and Elementum Coaching Institute. She supports women in reclaiming their true power and embodied feminine essence in Awaken the Muse, which I participated in. It was amazing. And she is the host of the top 10 self-improvement podcast, Unleashed. She's also a highly sought after business strategist, creative filmmaker, and humanitarian through organizations, Epic, and the Sisters Society. And as a best-selling author, Alexi has authored the books 50 Ways to Yay and Now or Never, both published by Simon & Schuster. Alexi is a proud mama to four gorgeous kids and wife of fellow master coach, one of my favorite humans, Preston Smiles. She currently lives in Austin, Texas with her husband and family. And you can follow her on Instagram and YouTube at Alexi Panos, A-L-E-X-I Panos, P-A-N-O-S. So I am extremely proud to welcome to be a podcast and introduce you to Alexi Panos. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. 
She's waiting. She's waiting. She's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman, and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Alexi Panos. I, you know, I say Panos, but I know it's, you're Greek, so it's Panos, right? Yeah, Panos, Panos is like the, if you want to be culturally appropriate, that's the way to say it. But if you're in America, it's Panos. Yeah, I caught myself <laughs> the other day saying Panos. And I'm like, why do I say that? She even says that, but it's Panos. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's pa- Panos. Pananulaikis is the full Greek last name. Ooh, it's but beautiful. My, when my family came over from Greece, they shortened it. Keep it simple. Ah, got it. Panos. Yeah, we have a few Panos where I live. So welcome to be you. Thank you. So excited to be here and to see your beautiful pink room behind you. Just makes me all sorts of all the feels when yeah. I see that room. What, what would you call it? Okay, so I think I told you when I was in the container with you that that we've, I call it the womb room. At first, I started calling it the goddess room. And then Peyton, you know, Peyton Callahan was like, said something. I'm like, oh, it's the womb room. And then I called it the pussy palace. Yeah. And, and then, but the guys that were painting it, they're like, okay, and they've painted a lot at our house. So I, we know them pretty well. They called me down here and they're like, okay, here's the thing. It's like super weird that we're standing in your womb. We can't do it. It's like bizarre. <laughs> so we're deciding to call this the ovary office. <laughs> okay. That feels very official. <laughs> Doesn't it? I'm summoning you to the ovary office. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what would you call this room? Yeah. I like the womb room because the womb is where like, look at how amazing that is. The womb to me, it's like, it's, it's the hearth. It's the place where all things get birthed. And it's the place where, you know, and this is what I've learned in my multitude of times of being a mom is so much can happen. Like we build human beings with so little actual effort if we just surrender and let nature do its process. And so I like the womb room because you're kind of sitting in this creation space where you don't need to effort as much because you've already surrendered to the higher power that is, whatever that is. And you're like, okay, I'm here. I'm a yes to it. Let's make magic with little effort because we are embodied and we are yes and we are surrendered. So womb room for me. <laughs> okay. If that's all that happened with this episode, that's enough for me. That was so good. <laughs> I'm so excited about that because that's how I feel when I'm in here. I, I don't know how to articulate it in words, but I've said to my husband and other people, this isn't just a room for me. There's no coincidence that it's in the basement of our home. Yeah, I have to walk yeah. down two flights of stairs to, and it's in the back corner of the basement. And when I come in here... And I also felt called to paint the ceiling the same color as the wall. So I am enveloped. The whole room is matte and it's not shiny. It's matte pink. 
And when I'm in here, I do feel just so just like in a cocoon of love and safety. I love that. And total freedom of expression in here. Like anything goes in here. And it's my space. It's no one else's space. Like you have to be invited to come in here. My kids have to take their shoes off if they're allowed to come in here. Um, yes. It's very sacred. It's like the womb. <laughs> you have to be invited. You have to be invited to come play in this space. <laughs> and just like the womb, it doesn't start off, start off shiny. That's right. That's right. It's a little dry in here, but so we need a little prep time. We need a little, we need to kind of work it up. <laughs> Once the magic starts, it's good. It's unstoppable. <laughs> I didn't expect to talk about this, but speaking of that, tell them about wh- what we did together recently. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you got to be a part of the container called Awaken the Muse. And Muse is really, it's something my girlfriend, Emily, and I put together out of a love for the work that we had been doing, we kind of woke up one day and, and felt ourselves a little crunchy in life, like just kind of felt ourselves doing all the things that good, ambitious, hardworking, independent women do. And at one point, we just woke up a little crunchy. And we're like, this doesn't feel good. Like this feels like we're like missing the point of all of life. And we just took ourselves on a really deep personal journey of awakening that creative life force, that sense of aliveness, that sense of sensuality and expression and sex and all of that energy, bringing that back into our lives and leading from that place. And it created so many breakthroughs in every area from relationships to work, to creativity, to money, to pleasure and fun and joy. And we looked at each other one day and we're like, we should really share this with other women because like we're on fire and we were getting so many reflections from people around us going, what are y'all two up to? Like we went to Burning Man together and we had strangers stopping us being like, you two are just radiating. You're glowing. This is like, there's a magic here. And we're like, yeah, we know it's this work we're doing. And it's a mix of embodiment practices and movement and theory and tools and all of the things. It's like personal development, but like, lived and expressed through the body, through our wombs, through our our sacral energy. And it was just magic. It was magic. I'd love to hear what it was like for you. I know you had like a, an interesting way to play in it, but... Yeah, um, I'll share that. I do want to ask you something though, because based on how much... I hate using the word work because it sounds like just... I don't like the word work for the work, but all of the growth, all of the, the work you've done, the studying, the... I mean, you have spent years and years. Are you like what, late 30s, 39? I'll be 40 this year. You'll be 40. Okay. So but you've been doing this a long time. Yeah. The surprising thing to me is that what you just shared had not been visited yet in that way. And someone who who is very familiar with that work, which is speaking of like that, that, you know, the womb and sexuality. And she told me that her teacher told her. That is always the last stop for women. It's always the last stop. So what would you say about that? Yeah, well, you know, I, I agree. I agree. I think a lot of us women, we've been programmed into the good girl mentality. And if it doesn't show up as like the demure, silent people pleaser, it shows up as the good girl 2.0, which is like the independent, fierce woman. And both of those are playing a game to try and fit into society and try and be this version of ourselves that is socially acceptable for other people to digest. And I think that the reckoning and the coming of age of, of womanhood right now is reclaiming what it means to be a sovereign being. And 
a sovereign being means that we're not influenced by what others need us to be in order for them to feel safe. And I think a fully expressed woman in her power, in her sexuality, in her desires, in her pleasure is scary for the world because the world operates in a way that's like, hey, we need women to doubt themselves. We need women to feel like they're not good enough. So we can sell them all these products and we can make a lot of money and consumerism can go rampant. And we see that. We see how so many of us are so disconnected from our power that we reach out to these hooks of, you know, stuff, of youth, of beauty, of partnership, of money to make us feel like we're finally enough. But if we decide we're finally that, and we claim the power that we've always had. Like we are, we are the creators of life itself. Whether or not you ever have a baby or not, like we have the ability in our womb, going back to the womb space to create the most potent thing in the planet with the least amount of effort possible. What does that say about us? Like we are the conduit for that. We are like the channel for that. And, and when we actually get that power, it changes everything. And so I think it's the last stop because we have a world that's set up for us to, to not see that. A world that's set up to keep us blind, to keep us small. And I think a lot of people, myself included, it's unconscious. Like even, you know, I've been, in, I've been doing the work since I was a teenager. And even in this work, like I've found power and done all the things, but my truest power is in the least amount of effort. And it's in the expression of who I've always been, but I've had to come back to. And it's the parts of myself that I never felt were fully welcome to the table or the conversation. So you really did. You did feel that way. You still felt that way. That's surprising to me. By society, you know, it's like, even in my partnership with my husband, like I felt myself going, oh, is this going to be too much for him? Like, will he be able to handle this side of me fully expressed. And, you know, it's, it's a new dance. Like it's, it is a new side of me and it is taking some, some renegotiating and uh, relearning, but it's beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. I, does it surprise you that that surprised me? What I'm saying is I get that. I, I totally get the idea of like, would it scare my husband? Like it kind of scares me. Like I haven't even gone there. Could he handle that? I don't even know if I can handle me <laughs> if I really let myself go. But does it, Alexi, does it surprise you that I'm surprised that you had that awakening? Do you get that people see that, that see you that way? That because you you don't live by society standards, you don't, you've been awake for so long. You, I'm surprised, not disappointed at all. I'm just surprised. Yeah. Well, and I think there's always more, you know, like I think the more honest I get with myself, the more I realize, gosh, there's so much more and what a blessing that is. Not that it's like, oh, there's so much more and I have so much more work to do and so much more further to go. It's like, no, this is what life is about. There's so much more. There's so much more to experience. There's so much more juice I want to squeeze. There's so much more of myself that I get to experience and know. Like if we truly are a spiritual being having a human experience, well, shit, I'm probably only like this close to knowing the truth of the spiritual being, right? But that's why I'm here. So, so that's exciting. That's exciting that there's this whole runway of relationship that I get to have with myself that it just feels so, it feels like truth and connection to that higher vision of what I am and, and a higher knowing of what I am. And it feels so exciting to get to know the full possibility, the full spectrum of light that in, inhabits this human body. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting that when we think about like spiritual growth, 
a lot of us think that what you just said would not be the path. What you just said would be like, no, that's just like empowering yourself as a woman. But spiritual growth has to be mm, meditating, <laughs> dude, right? I mean, a lot of us think yeah. that, you know, yeah. if I'm going to keep growing, as you said, I'm a, this spiritual being having a human experience. If I'm going to really tap into that, it sure as hell is not going to be through like dancing in a room with women to sexy music. Yeah. That's what a lot of yeah. us think. And what I have discovered, and I know what you've discovered, is that the most spiritual thing, if you want to say thing, can be playing, having fun, sex, moving your body. Like that, That I'm shocking myself saying that, but that's what I've discovered in the last, I don't know, year, six months or so. Yeah, and it's huge. And I'll tell you what, like I've always loved to dance. I've always been a dancer. I've been dancing since I was young, but I always had a judgment on, you know, sensual movement. And and it's funny, like I started, I started teaching sensual movement probably six years ago in our bridge workshops with Preston and I. And for me, it just kept unlocking. It kept unlocking. Like I remember I did, uh, it's called elemental dance, what we do in bridge. And during one of our dances that we did, I was pregnant with Kingston, my first child. And I had this insane, no drugs, no plant medicine, no nothing. I had this insane connection with the spirit of my child who is now Kingston. And we had, this is going to blow your mind. It was to the song Diamonds by Rihanna, right? Yeah. Okay. So the song comes on and I'm in this process. We had already been moving for about, and it's not dancing. Like people think dancing, they think choreographed movement. It's embodied movement. So whatever your body is feeling to express, you express it, you move it. No judgment. We turn all the lights off. Some people are completely nude. Some people are not like what anything goes, right? So I'm about 20 minutes in. This Rihanna song comes on on our playlist and I'm moving to it. And my heart has already been fully cracked open from like the section we did before where I was just a yes to whatever I wanted to express. So I get transported. I'm like transport. It was like a plant medicine journey. I get transported to, to sit with my child who's in my, my womb at the time. And we have this moment where we see each other and it's like our souls embrace. So much so where I, I was bawling bawling. And it was like, this is my child. Like I'm feeling my child. Now, Super Bowl, you know, cut to five, six, five and a half, six years later, Super Bowl happens. Rihanna's performing at Super Bowl and she does the diamond song. Kingston sitting next to me goes, mommy, I love this song. He's never heard it before. I am covered in goosebumps. Like I never play Rihanna around the house. Like I'm not just rocking Rihanna in the house. He's never heard Rihanna before. He goes, mommy, I love this song. And I literally go, oh my gosh. And Preston looked at me because he knew that moment I had. I shared it with the class. And he goes, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And I'm like, I know. Like <laughs> that is crazy. And and so there's this this thing that happens when we move our energy, when we move the light that we are and we express it and allow it to just say yes. Because so many of us are so stuck, we're so controlled, we're so tight that we move through our lives constricted. And that constriction doesn't allow for expansion. And when we expand our bodies through embodied movement, what happens is we move energy. And when we move energy, we allow more life force to come in. When we allow more life force to come in, we feel more alive. We connect to all that life is. The spirit world, the animal world, the 3D human world, we connect to all of it. And that's what continues to happen when I do these embodied practices of movement is I get a deeper understanding more and more of my true self. 
not the self that exists as Alexi Panos, who's, you know, a Greek American girl who's from Erie, Pennsylvania and all the things who does all this coaching stuff, but like as, as a being of energy that is here inhabiting this body, inhabiting this life in this family at this time. And, and I think that's available for all of us. And to me, that is the most spiritual thing to understand ourselves as the truth of what we are, which is so much more than what we think. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. And I'm just kind of sitting with that for a minute. It was so, that was a lot in a good way. Like I was thinking, like, let me just go back to, you said that your son said, mommy, I love that song. Isn't it interesting what his words were? He didn't say, I've heard this song before, because that would make for a good story to tell everybody, right? That is not what he said. His body remembered, his being remembered that moment with you, even though his brain doesn't remember it and he doesn't even know how to say it. It's just so beautiful. It's crazy. Like it, yeah. I mean, I, I've got goosebumps too, because when he said that, it just, it confirmed the experience I had. But you know, sometimes we question those experiences because of it's like, did I make that up? Like, did I like, put my brain in some place where I wanted that. So that happened. Like, you know, I'm, I'm woo woo because I do woo woo stuff, but I'm very like cautious and skeptical, skeptical of the woo. <laughs> and logical. You're logical. I'm very logical and, and very science-based. So to hear myself say that is even like, did Lex just say that? Whoa, <laughs> you know, but to have him say that just confirmed it. It's like, oh yeah, that, that was a real thing. That was a real moment that, our soul's experience together. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's really what spirituality is when you're able to see beyond your brain and what makes sense. And, and then being willing to say it out loud is so scary. It is judged by you, judged by everybody else. But I feel like that's when you know it really is spiritual when it just defies all of that. Like it's just, it just pierces through all that shit. And even skeptical people are like, okay, well, maybe. <laughs> And even yeah. if they don't, right, you don't care because the tr it's just truth. It's just yes. truth. And it's truth because it's a felt experience. And that's the thing. I think so many of us, there's the things that our logical brains like, okay, this is this and this makes sense and da, 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 da. But then there's the things that are felt experience where you almost can't even put to words what it is because it's such a felt experience. And I have one of my best friends, she's a Christian. And she always used to tell me how she would talk to God. And, and this was, Years ago in my 20s, where I was like full atheist, like, no religion for me. Thank you very much. Um, and she's like, you know, I'm like, well, what do you mean you talk to God? Like, what, what, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like, what does that look like? She's like, I can't explain it. It's a felt thing. I just know, like, I'm having these conversations with something bigger than myself. That's myself. Okay. But now it's making sense to me in another way. It's like, it's the faith. You have faith in the knowing of what you feel. And, and that's the deepest truth is I am, I am me. I am where it stops of is this true or not? And I know because I feel it. And that goes back to the embodied practices of movement. A lot of times we can bypass all the, the trauma and all the thoughts and all the psychology of what happened to us and why we're closed and what does it all mean? And which parent did this come from? And, we can bypass that by just moving it and feeling it. And sometimes we get a taste of our expression that we're like, there she is. And I don't need to know why she wasn't there before. I don't need to know why she was cut off or what trauma it's related to. All I know is this is available. 
And that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in my experience, and I would say brief experience, so you may not know this about me. I may have said it to you, but so I, for, I was in network marketing. I told you that I was a nurse that went into network marketing. I was a NICU nurse, by the way. I know you have babies in the NICU. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was one of my, I was NICU and then cardiac, but I was in network marketing and, you know, that's where a lot of people discover personal development. You know, that world is, and that's a good thing about it. You know, that's when I really started looking at myself. I went to Landmark. I know you said you've done Landmark when I was uh, 36. So 36 years old, standing in the room at Landmark. Actually, Lexi, I went there as the chaperone to one of the doctor's kids that I nannied. Oh, get out. Yeah. So I had a nannying business for four years. I had 22 families and I would move and this is like fun it'll be good as a parent for you to hear this this is such a great business someone else needs to do this i keep saying someone needs to i mean 30 years ago i was making a hundred dollars a day cash wow that's a lot of money so i would move into their home only with school-age kids and the parent the kids had to be school-age i would drive their cars and i would sleep in their bed and i would just assume the role of the parent for the week the kids had to be in school all day because i worked during the day And it was while they went on vacation. So I did it only when they'd be gone for like a week or like a long weekend. Anyway, one of the families that I got very close to, the dad called me and said, hey, my wife saw this thing on Oprah or something in Chicago. I don't know what it is, but my daughter's not doing great in college, struggling, eating issues. She doesn't trust her mom. Will you take her? I'm like, sure, fine. Free weekend in Chicago. So it was landmark. I didn't even know what it was. I just said, sure. So I was her chaperone. And of course, it cracked me wide open. Like, I'm sure. holy shit. <laughs> I had never, Alexi, I had never even like done anything other than seeing a shrink when I was a teenager. Like, I had never heard of personal development. I had never even, at 36, I didn't know it existed. Didn't even, and so, yeah, that, that was a, a huge thing. But anyway, so it wasn't until two years ago that I even heard the word energy, body, somatics, like two years ago, maybe three. I, 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 I'd have to count. Like, let's say two and a half years ago, and I'm 51. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So between the landmark experience and a couple of years ago, I became a mindset junkie. And like you said before, that's not bad. It tr- really changed my life. And I, I didn't like try to be like a teacher or a coach, but I naturally do that. And so I started showing people and telling people and teaching people. And I thought I was so aware. <laughs> But yet I was in so much pain. I had so much from my childhood that was just so painful. And even at that time, I was married to someone who battled addiction, et cetera. And so a couple of years ago, I discovered the work that you've known for so long. And that's when I realized, okay, hold on a minute. Spiritual, this is where spirituality lives. Like it doesn't live at church. It doesn't live because I became a diehard Christian. No judgment on that at all. It's just not for me anymore, but not long ago. Alexi, I'm talking like, I mean, six, seven years ago. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I was in lots of Bible studies. My kids went to Christian school for a while. I thought everybody needed to be Christian. It was the only way. Yet, yet, I'm talking to you like it's your podcast. I need to get back to you, but I think you'll find this interesting. No, no, but I love this. It's great. So in that shell of this is the way it is, you know, Christianity, et cetera, my real me like the me deep down that God knows that no one else knows, which is comes back to truth that pierces through everything was, that's not the way. That's not the only mm. way. And it doesn't yeah. have to be the way for you. And the way I have described it to no one but a therapist, but 
until you today. I've never said this out loud. It could make me cry. But the way I felt all those years is I felt like all of my Christian friends who are still my friends and that whole community were on one side of a door. You know, I'm very visual. There was this old antique door. And what God kept showing me was there was an old doorknob with a keyhole. And they kept trying to get me to fit through the keyhole. And I couldn't fit. Mm. And I wanted to desperately fit so I could be connected. And what God said to me one day was, you're trying to connect to them instead of to me. Stay on your side of the door and let them be and love them. I have goosebumps everywhere right now. But just stay over here and you're not by yourself. I'm the one who's been telling you this shit. (laughs) You haven't been reading it in a book. It was me the whole time. And they didn't understand it. And I lost a lot of friends. And I'm very confusing to a lot of people in my community. I live in the Bible Belt. Like, my city is called the City of Churches. Wow. Where are you? Fort Wayne, Indiana. Wow. ultra conservative. Wow. And I'm very confusing to a lot of people. And I'm okay with it because I'm not confusing to God. Yes. I'm not confused at all. At all. Yes. And, and that's the thing, like, and I'll, I'll say this too, because I have friends from all sorts of faith backgrounds and all religions and personal development in and of itself can become as stigmatized as religion can, where people think this is the way and this is, it's this, it's mindset work, or it's just this and it's psychology and, or it's just this. And we can get so fixated on the tools, right, that are an access point whether it be the Bible or the Quran or, um, you know, a certain book you read by X, Y, and Z expert, we get so fixated to try and make something it. And it's the same problem. We're outsourcing our sense of self to something that says, well, this is the way versus going, well, well what do I think? Like, what do I feel in my heart? What can I explore? What can I get curious about? And I think no matter what path you choose that feels right for you, the thing I always encourage is self-reflection and sovereign choice, like coming back to the heart, coming back to the body, coming back to that inner knowing. We are our greatest resource. Why? Because we are connected to that thing that is bigger than us. And when we keep outsourcing our sense of knowing, our outsourcing our sense of self or self-importance or meaning to something outside of ourselves, we're, we're doing a huge disservice to the genius within, to the, to the brilliance within, to the light within, to the spirit within. And I think that's the game for me, at least I'll speak for myself is how do I keep coming back home to that, which is greater than me that also lives in me? Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you just said that. So I was just saying to a friend recently, and she was not, this wasn't a harsh conversation. We just were having a nice conversation. My close circle of friends, most of them have opposite political views of me. Most of them, like, it doesn't bother me at all. And I was having a great conversation with a girlfriend of mine about my age, about this, about religion, about God, and personal development. And she said, and I think it's a valid question, It comes from a good place with her. Hers does not come from fear and judgment. It really came from love, loving me. My question, Jill, and my kind of concern is with all this stuff, it's all about like me, me, me. And I said, here's the thing. I hear you. It sounds like that. It's like when you're, you look at any group of people, any organization, anything on the outside, it's, it's what you perceive through your lens, but that's probably not really what it is. So I get why you think that I'm not offended. I'm not going to get defensive. But I said kind of what you just said, probably not as eloquently, but I said, 
the thing is, that's where God lives. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's not about me, the Jill, the ego, the human walking around. That's what it looks like. And I get that. That's why we get a bad rap. We who believe what we believe. But what, what you don't get is by me finally connecting to me and finally making it about me, I finally got to listen to God. I finally got yes. that connection that I've been seeking in you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's, it, it is, right? There's, there's these two selves, right? There's the ego self, the, what I call the small self, small self with an S that's like, it's all about me and like, what can I do in the world and what's my purpose and how can I leave my legacy? And it is very much a like, I need to matter in this world. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's also the game of the higher self, the, the true self, the self with a capital S that is not just me. It's the same higher self that you are too. And we all share that higher self. It's the collective consciousness that is greater than all of it. And so when you play the game of the two, like, okay, yep, I'm here. I am 3D. I am in this body and I want to do something with my life because why not? You know, what's, why not make this fun if this is a game? And it's so much more than just me. And, and when I can play the game of both or play the game of the, the small self from the higher self controlling and like guiding, let's say the smaller self, the game becomes so much more eloquent because it just makes more sense. There's a depth to it. There's a heart to it. There's a, um, there's a certain type of quality to the life that we can live when we get beyond the small self and we connect to that God self within. And that to me is the game. Like that's why we're here, <laughs> you know, and legacy and money and all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Great. Who cares? Like, I know tons of people and myself included who have had all those things. And if you are disconnected from the God self, it, you're still going to be yearning for the more and you're not going to know why it never feels like enough because we know, we know that we are infinite. Like we deeply know, unconsciously know we are infinite. And when we try and clip on to these finite things to make us happy, there's always that yearning for more. But when we clip on to the idea that we are infinite beings, we're like, oh, I'm satiated because I know that it never ends. Yeah. And it's like what we were chatting about before we started. You asked me, you know, how are you? And, you know, ask my friends. So like, don't ask Jill how she is. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you. She's going to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. And I, and I dictate my text messages and they are long. If you want to text, you're going to get a paragraph. Sorry. So I was telling you, like, A, like, I'm amazing. I can't believe how great my life is. I heard you say on your podcast, I was listening before I was coming down here and I heard you say something about how like when you really do like body work, embodiment work, you know, moving this stuff and all that, like you get to a point where you can't believe how fucking good life is. And that's, I, I have so far to go, but I really am there. Like I, every day I'm like, I can't believe how good life just feels, not how my circumstances are, but just how great life is. Like, how is this possible? I used to fight it. I used to push up against it and, and try to block it. I used to try to create drama and chaos and pain just because that's all I knew. So I am there. But then I said to you, you know, life is great and life is sucking right now in one area and it's really hard. So those two things can be true at the same time, which to me, that's, that's the point of what, of what we're talking about. Like being able to really feel both equally 
without like being pulled down into the pits of one and without being pulled up into the clouds by the other. Yeah. And and that's it. It's it's the paradox of life itself. There's this idea that somehow got sold to us that life is always supposed to be great. <laughs> and if it's always great, then we're doing a great job. And then we can pat ourselves on the back and say, okay, everything's great. But life never promised that. Life promised to life. And if we look at nature as the example of what life looks like when it's lifing, there's growth periods and, and periods of spring and summer that are just like, yes. And then there's times when things fall away and need to be pruned and pulled back so that we can go into a hibernation and a deeper inquiry and a rest period, like the seasons how nature moves, the tides, the shifts of the sun and the moon every day. We're constantly being shown the paradox of life. And yet somehow we're shocked, shocked when life gives us the paradox of life. But that is it. And if we can, like you said, if we can be with the sunrises and the high noon hot sun, just like we can be with the cool nighttime, if we can be with both in awe and reverence, that's the game of like, oh my gosh, it's so challenging. And I am alive. Like I, this, like I am alive to feel this challenge, to feel this heartbreak, to feel this suffering and grief, to feel, to feel what it means to be human. Oh, I am alive. Ah, oh, reverence. Thank you. Thank you for opening me more to feel this. And then in the joyous moments, like, oh, I'm so alive. Thank you for opening me and allowing me to experience this level of joy, of pleasure, of radiance, of whatever it might be. And both are valid. Both are necessary in order to fully experience life. And you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I just want to experience the fullest expression of life. It's like, cool. Okay. But do you know what that means? <laughs> Be careful what you wish for because, I mean, to me, I'm like, yes, all of that. I'll take it because that that to me is, again, it's why we're here. Everything, all the joy, all the pain, all the suffering, all the grief, all the pleasure, all of it is asking us, how can you open more? How can you receive more? How can you be with this more? How can you surrender more? How can you see what this is more? How can you answer the initiation that's coming through you right now even more? Because again, there's a lot of work to do. There's always more work to do. Why? Because we are, we are this thing, an infinite being. And, you know, most of us are like here on the journey of understanding our full capacity of what we are. And so everything that happens is an opportunity for us to move closer to that deeper truth. Mm. What would you say to the moms out there? I mean, we have, I, I don't even know who's listening. I mean, we've got people, a lot of people listen to this podcast, mostly women but a lot of different cultures, a lot of different countries. But speaking to those who are mothers, because if you're listening, you're like, okay, I'm not a mom. You have a mom. Okay, so speaking, I mean, you, you've you got a lot going on at your house. You've got four kids, five and under with a set of twins there. I mean, it's a lot. But what would you say to the moms about two things? About one, about the whole conversation we had earlier about contracting and expanding. I think that's so, and that's what's very live for you right now. That. And, and if we don't get to that, I'll just bring it back to this in the end. The second piece that I'm feeling called to ask you about is to the mothers about the whole idea of them, the outsourcing piece, as far as the, and, and not just, you know, their joy, but their sensuality, their power, all of that. 
That could be two more hours, but in a nutshell. Yeah, it really could. The outsourcing piece, let's start there. Motherhood is such a deep initiation into a whole new being. It's like a baby is not just born, but a mother is born. And that mother is a new woman. That new woman has a new brain. Literally, we have a new brain that's biologically wired for the survival of this child. We have a new body that has physically contrived itself to move around to make space for and to push this child into the earth, into this experience. And we have a whole new way of relating to ourselves. We have a whole new way of relating to our partners, um, if our partners are around. And then we have this new child to relate to. And with every new child comes a new way of relating. You know, I feel like I w- I've been reborn with every birth. And so in that initiation, it's really scary. And I think a lot of us do the initiation of motherhood in a silo. You know, we don't live in villages anymore, most of us. Um, and we do this thing fairly alone. Even if we have people around us, we do it emotionally alone, where we feel like, oh my gosh, nobody understands what I'm going through. I don't even understand what I'm going through. Everything's fine. Look at this beautiful baby. I'm so joyous. I'm so happy. But oh my gosh, it feels like this giant chasm and I'm not sure what this is. Okay, it's fine. I have this beautiful baby. Let's just focus here. And so because we don't have a ritual of initiation into motherhood with village and community and other moms holding this container of like, we've been here, we got you, we know what this is like. We tend to start going, well, if I just hold on to this baby, this baby makes me feel happy, purposeful, joyous, amazing, connected, God, spirit, love. If I hold on to this marriage, this makes me feel meaningful, valuable, X, Y, and Z. If I hold on to my body, you know, some women after a baby, it's like, I got to get my body back. And okay, well, if I just get my body back, then I'll feel X, Y, and Z. So whatever that game is we play, if X is good, then I'm good. That's a game of outsourcing your power. And moms are so apt to play that game because there's so much we're being with all at once that we weren't prepared for. Because we don't, again, we don't have a society that prepares a mother for the initiation of motherhood. So we have all this new life that we're being with that we're not prepared for. So we just start going, what can I hold on to? That makes me feel human. That makes me feel some sort of remembrance of who I was. That makes me feel valuable. That makes me feel happy. And we keep holding on. And then eventually our kids get older and we start to see like, oh my gosh, I've quote unquote lost myself in this role of motherhood. But really, we've never lost ourselves. We've just shifted our focus out. And we've held on to that out, out focus for so long that we forgot that we can just let go and go, okay, let me, let me hold here. Let me hold my heart. Let me hold my tenderness. Let me hold my, my pain. Let me hold what I'm grieving. Have I even grieved who died when the mother was born? Most of us know. Like I didn't do it with my first child. I did it with the twins. And then I did it again with my last, Cassius. I did a huge grieving process of the woman I was prior to my last, my fourth. And it was so cathartic. And it was the opening to the whole muse work that I did was that grieving process was like, okay, I need to fully release any grief, any holding I have to that old life, to my old relationship to that old version of myself in order to see 
a clearing, have a clearing for what's wanting to come through, for what's wanting to come next, for what this next iteration of me wants to look like. So, so that's a big part that I think I'm really committed to is, and you know, you, you've been to Austin, you see that we've really set up like a village community here where we really have each other. Not, I don't even want to say we have each other's backs. Like we have each other's hearts. You know, it's like, we take care of the mamas here. We take care of the babies here. We take care of the husbands here. We take care of our maidens and our, our uh, single men. We, we, we nurture our people here and we love on them. And we say, Hey, I've, I've walked the path you're walking right now. It's challenging. Let me hold your hand. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful to watch, Alexi. I mean, for someone on the outside, I want to share with you because most of your friends are in that community. I want to share with you that from the outside, it is, it's fascinating. Like, like what the hell is this? Like it's another planet, right? And some people aren't called to that. I totally get that. I certainly am. I see it and it is when you said it's almost like a tribe, like it looks like it looks like a tribe. Community is an overused word, but it's more than family. Anyway, I, I get it even from the outside. It's so beautiful. The impact that that way of living is going to have on the world is huge. It's not just your kids and your friends' kids and the other members of that community. I mean, it really is beautiful if you think about it, because those kids are going to raise their kids that way. And it's going back to the way it should be and used to be a long, long time ago. That's what draws me in. It's very beautiful. I've had dreams about Austin and I literally hate the heat and I would never want to live in Texas, <laughs> but I've had dreams about it. Some of the closest, like Peyton just sent me a gift a couple of days ago. I just could cry. I've met her one time in person at my own birthday party that she gave me. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, it's like normal, I guess, in your community. You know, so I'm just, yeah. um, the people that I feel so drawn to are from that because it's it's a feeling. Anyway, yeah. So I, I just wanted to share with you that outside looking in, thank you. And thank you for sharing it because think of it for, for social media. We wouldn't see it. That's we wouldn't true. know. So we, when you're like sharing at your gatherings and all that, if anyone ever feels like, Oh, everyone's saying that. Please keep doing it because those of us on the outside are so inspired that I may never move there, but maybe I'll feel called to create that where I live. Mm, thank you for that. Because I think, I mean, you know, I'm not huge on social media. I do it as a, an aspect of my work. But when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, this is why. This is why I get to have a social media. This is why I get to post because you never you never know what's going to hit somebody in the heart and and make a change. And so thank you for that. I do want to say, you said something else that sparked something for me. You said, you know, it may not be for everybody. I just want to share for any of you out there that are like finding yourself being slightly judgmental, like, oh, that would be terrible. I would hate to live in that a community where like everyone's all up in your business and da, 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 da. That was me. Like I am still, I consider myself super lone wolf. Like I'm very like insular, very protected. I've got a Scorpio rising. So my inner world is very much mine. But the gift that I have found in opening and receiving support, and I also have like a heavy dose of, you know, independent woman, good girl 2.0. I got it. I'm good. I don't need anybody. Like, so good. What it has opened up for me has been nothing short of a miracle. Like, I, I don't recognize the person I am today because of the people that I've said yes to let into my heart. And I think the judgment that I had for a very long time 
was a scared part of me that thought that if I did open my heart, I wouldn't be accepted. Or that if I did open my heart and let people in, I couldn't trust it. I would be abandoned, you know, going back to all my old like core wounding. And I realized that the more I open and the more I reveal and the more I let people in, the more held I feel, the more safe I feel, the more I'm like, oh yeah, like, and it's not always perfect. You know, there's things that happen and you you can get dropped, but overwhelmingly, I feel so much more safe to be myself because I have been affirmed by the people in our community that it is safe to be yourself. So for any of you that have judgment, like in any aspect of your life, because I, I used to be very critical and very judgmental of a lot of things. To me now, it's always just like a flag, like, hey, you may want to look here, there might be some opportunity for you to grow and expand and evolve wherever this judgment lies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so funny. I'm going to tell everybody the first time I met you in person. So I don't know anything about the signs. Like I'm a Scorpio and I know maybe this is very Scorpio of me. I know all about my sign. <laughs> is that Scorpio? Uh-huh. Like I know all about my sign. I don't give a shit about yours. (laughs) So I can't tell you literally anything about any other sign, but I know all about mine. And because of the way I am, I didn't know it had anything to do with being a Scorpio until you just said it. I'm super private. Like, so the first time I meet Alexi, I'm doing a podcast with her husband in their, it's like maybe above their garage, right? Yeah, Yeah, apartment apartment above the garage. And I had never met Preston before, but I felt I had known him my whole life, which, you know, that's one of his gifts. And he's like, hey, you want to meet Alexi? And all I'm thinking is, I would never want my husband to invite someone into my home, unannounce me. And I go, well, I yeah, I'd like to meet her, but I really don't need to meet her. And he's like, oh, no, come on, come on. And I'm like, oh, God. This is not going to be good because if it hurt me, I'd be like, okay, who the fuck is walking in my house right now? She's a brand new baby, three other babies, doesn't even know me. She's only seen me through Elementum on the screen like one time. Yeah. yeah. He goes, come here. And he walks me into her bedroom, which yeah, is which nursing is like her. Yes. <laughs> but it's like the most <laughs> sacred space in the home. And she's nursing her new baby. And I was like, oh my God. I was so uncomfortable because just because I would have been uncomfortable because I know how I am. Like, Alexi, I am so private. Like, if my husband walked someone into my bedroom, I'd be like, what are you doing? Who are yeah. you? And get out. Like, <laughs> so you were so kind and you're like, hi. And then my husband walks up and we're both standing there. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny because I'm so private, but I married someone who's so public. Like, Preston and I could be more opposite than each other in that. And so I've gotten used to it over the years. It's like, that's a part of how he loves. Yeah. We welcome you into our world. And a part of how I, how I love is not, is not that. It's a million other ways, but it's not that. And so he knows that if he does it, especially in like super intimate moments, it's somebody that he wants me to know. So Aww, I'm, I trusted sweet. that I'm like, oh, she's good people. So yeah. even though I'm seeing my baby in a pitch black room and we can barely see each other. Hello. In your bedroom <laughs> at like, 10 in the morning or something. And, and, and my husband is the same as Preston. Like it didn't phase him. When we walked out, I was like, Oh my gosh, I hope she was okay with that because that was super uncomfortable. And he goes, what was uncomfortable about that? That was awesome. Right. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So totally that's, fine. that's the only time I've met you in person. I can't wait to meet you again in person. And, and I just, I, I admire you so much and I just love you. I really do. Like I didn't know you for everyone listening. 
I mean, you know, I'm so picky about who I have on this show. Like I am so picky. And my pickiness is really my intuition because sometimes they might go, well, you say you're picky, but I just heard you say you met this dude on Instagram five minutes ago. Like <laughs> I'm picky with my, my picker. Yes, but I got a sign. <laughs> yes. But of course, I've always wanted you to be on this show. But I also, I think I said this to you, I really honored my knowing and my knowing was telling me, do not ask her. Do not. And so it's been oh well over a year. I, I never asked because it just didn't feel like the right time. And thank you for being a yes. I know you're asked a lot and often to be on these shows and you don't have a lot of time. And as you said, you're selective with your time. I appreciate it. And I, I, I want you to hear me say that I don't feel drawn to you because of all of your accomplishments. I don't feel drawn to you because of your looks and your, all those things are amazing. Like, yes. And it's not that. I just want you to hear me say that, I don't know if you hear this often from people, but all of that is beautiful. And yes, you have gorgeous kids and, and, and it's a lot. I'm sure a lot of people are drawn to you for that. You have four kids. Oh my God, they're gorgeous. Preston's amazing. He's gorgeous. All that's great, but that is not why I'm drawn to you. I am really, I, I, this is where I know I'm on. I'm speaking truth because I feel like I'm going to cry. I'm not drawn to you because of those things. Those I like watching. I like looking at it. It's fun. But I'm drawn to you because I know there's so much more to you than that. And that's coming from someone who does not really know your work, Alexi. I just discovered you in Elementum. I just listened to your podcast a few minutes ago. You'd never before recently really put anything on social media. I can't wait to learn more about who you are and what you're about. And and when I found out that you were like dear, dear, dear friends with Sigrid, who is one of the most special people in my life. I'm like, of course she is. Of course she is. So I just want you to know that I, I don't even know really what I just said, but I, I really, really see that there's so much beauty in you and so much love in you. And you genuinely, genuinely care about people and that you're not doing this to be famous and have the blue check mark and all that stuff's great. That that, I love that that doesn't really mean shit to you. You appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, and, but, sure. but it really does not define you at all. That's why I'm attracted to you. Mm, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I, I do this work in many ways. Honestly, in many ways, it it gets in the way of what's most important to me, this work. But I do it because I have to. Like it's been a calling on my heart since I was young. And it's something that, like I said, I use social media because I get what it, it can, the access it can open. and it allows me to meet people like you and and have people like you in my corner. Like the fact that we can do life without barely knowing each other. And yet we've been in each other's worlds in so many different ways. It's so great technology. And I just have, I want to say to you, even though we don't know each other that way or that much, the way I do know you is you are an open heart. Even though you're private, you're an open heart. You have so much humility in how you show up. And so much willingness to find your areas of growth, but also celebrate your areas of growth. And that's a rare thing in this industry. Most of us are like, oh, I'm so like, here's where I need to work. But I experience you as very, I don't know, you're just very real and you're very much yourself. And I just really appreciate that. So thank you for that. And mm, thank, you. thank you for allowing me the experience to get to know you more. And today I loved our conversation. This was really nourishing in a lot of ways. Mm, I'm so glad. That's one thing I, when I was a couple minutes late to this, I went over to my bowls. I just played for a minute and then I just sat there and the thing I asked God was, 
that it'd be easy to say, I want this podcast to explode across the world. But what I said was, I want her to really enjoy this conversation. I want her to feel like this was a good use of her time and that she wasn't just having to, to parrot and spit out all of her knowledge. And I just want her to really have a nice, nice experience. So I'm, I'm really, really happy that you did. Success. Awesome. Success. Thank you so much, Lexi. <laughs> all Thanks, right. Jill. All right. And everybody knows how to find you. I shared everything. And we love you. And I'll see you again soon. Bye, Joe.